World War III may be rising, but hey, everything is awesome at World Youth Day, where Pope Francis pushes climate change hysteria once again. Everyone has had enough of the little ferret, even the little misses. The ferrets are getting a divorce. Turns out COVID was a lot like the flu. Tell us more, Mr. Science Guy. Last week, he undermined the World Health Organization's lockdowns. This week, Cardinal Dolan praises Christopher Columbus. Just in time for the sham is on synod, Team Francis is falling apart. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Michael Matt. This is the Remnant Underground. So yet another World Youth Day is in the books. <laughs> How did it go? Well, to tell you the truth, I have no idea because I don't follow them anymore. I find it very difficult to follow World Youth Day and take it seriously. I'm just getting old. I'm sure that's part of it. But they all start to look very much the same to me. You know, all the kids go into some place, some exciting place far away. They sit there in the throngs and throngs of people and they look for that little white cassock on the stage. Lots of partying. And I understand that. You see somebody like the Pope, it's exciting. He's like one of the most famous people in the world. But you can't necessarily mistake that for, oh my gosh, I am having a mystical experience. He's really famous. You know, people have people who are even critics of, of Pope Francis have said that when they're standing in, 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 in his presence, they get weak need because that's just the nature of the way things go. So a little, little chat, opening chat about World Youth Day, I think is in order. Uh, just to try to lend a little perspective, you know, there's a lots of lots of partying goes, going on, lots of dancing, lots of good times. I remember the dancing sisters of uh, Saint Faustina. What uh, it was kind of I don't know if I call it a scandal, but everybody was talking about the dancing nuns of Sister Faustina back in World Youth Day Poland. Do you remember? That's cute. I just really wonder, you know, I wonder, does that sort of thing work with young people? Are young people really moved by the nuns, you know, sinking the dancing and stuff and doing their thing on the beat? I, maybe, maybe, but I, I'm skeptical. This one was from World Youth Day Krakow 2016. And as we play this one, as Walter throws it up on the screen, I want you to pay attention to the young people who are sitting on the bench behind the Dancing Sisters. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, the guys there on the right, they look bored out of their gourds. Look at this one, this nun, she runs over there and she says, come on, you guys, this is fun. Let's get up and dance, but they don't because they think this is corny and sort of cringeworthy, right? Which is kind of what it is. So then the sister finally comes back looking embarrassed and the clip ends with the nuns applauding themselves and holding their hands up. I don't mean to pick on the nuns, I just don't understand what that is. And I really, really wonder. I know when I was young, that would, that would not have worked. I would have been, thank you, Sister Mary Chocolate, but we're, we're going to go away now, you know, because we don't get this. You're supposed to be nuns, spiritual brides of Christ, right? <laughs> now, I'm not getting all worked up over this because it's World Youth Day. And what do you think is going to happen at World Youth Day 50, 60 years after Novus Ordo conditioning? This is what happens. People have lost track of it all. They don't understand. 
So if, and this is the problem, I understand, especially if to you younger folks in this audience, I seem like the old guy who doesn't understand how much fun it is. I get that. But if you don't understand what the Catholic Church used to represent and how Eucharistic Congresses used to be, the dignity that was involved, if this works for you, if you're sort of sucked into it and you want to start kind of getting into the praise and worship, well, then that's only proof to me that it's worked, that we've lost our sense of Catholic dignity, especially in the presence of the real, in the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist, which is what this is supposed to be. These nuns that we just showed you, God bless them. They clearly have no formation. They haven't been given any. You know, that's the same with the priests, half of them. You know, <laughs> at World Youth Day Panama, for example, the priests were actually brought in as the rock stars. No, literally. So that's the Ultra Christus in the Novus Ordo, rocking out, you know? And of course, the young people again, like, oh man, it's just, they're so touched. I remember a hundred years ago, I was a, I used to work security and some of our accounts were the Civic Center in St. Paul where you'd have big rock bands coming in. And we'd just, we'd have to, I'd have to stand up there and guard these, con these concerts. So behind us is Journey, in front of us is this sea of young people. And when Steve Perry would, all of a sudden, everything would slow down, the lights would go dim, and he'd be lying beside you. We start off with open arms. I mean, looking at the faces of these young people, they're here in the dark, and they don't, they get the lighters going. They were having a spiritual, mystical experience, you see, because that's the power of music. So I'm sorry if, if, if World Youth Day seems to be working to a lot of people, but again, it's not that different than what happens at any concert, even a concert that's not immoral, you know? They're just singing a famous song everybody's heard. There's your favorite rock star singing, right? But then you throw into World Youth Day, I guess there was, once again, massive abuse of the sacred consecrated hosts, communion hosts, at World Youth Day Lisbon. You mistreated again, as they always are. Yeah, as they always are, and that's just the problem. Do you remember the Papal Mass in Manila? And this just keeps happening, World Youth Day after World Youth Day. And this is this is a problem, right? I mean, this time it was what Walter? They were we had uh, the viral pictures of consecrated hosts in plastic containers. I actually read the story of the young woman who walked by the tent where the Blessed Sacrament was stacked in Tupperware crates, and she said, "I could get really angry, or I could go back and make reparation." And so this young woman is seen then kneeling in this picture in front of the Blessed Sacrament stacked in Tupperware. Thank God she was there. So I'm not saying there are no good, solid young people at, at World Youth Day. Youth Day, clearly there are. But as far as, you know, abuse of the Eucharist, yeah, what did you think was going to happen? That's World Youth Day, you know? What did you think was going to happen? Was it going to be the 1941 Corpus Christi procession in Cork, Ireland? Do you remember it? This is what Catholic, large Catholic gatherings centered on the Eucharist used to look like. The annual procession of the Eucharist takes place at Bandon with all its impressive religious and military ceremonial. Almost the entire Catholic population is marshaled to join in this public act of homage to the King of Kings. 
The military escort is in charge of Captain James Smith, the Irish Army Jumper, and the local defence force in charge of Group Leader O'Keefe. The monstrance is borne by the very Reverend J. Cannon Scannell, DSO of the last war, and first chaplain appointed to the Air Army. Altar boys shower rose petals before the advancing procession, and a special place is reserved for women wearing hooded cloaks, the traditional costume of West Cork. Through the streets of the town, the solemn cavalcade winds its way to the old church. The ceremony of the Corpus Christi was never more impressive or the worshippers more devout. Well, so you see, friends, do you see the difference? Because we can't lose track of that. Last, last show, we showed you out in San Francisco with Father Peyton's rosary campaign, a half a million young people, families praying devoutly. That's, that's the way it used to be, you know, <laughs> before Vatican II. And this is now what's considered a supremely Catholic experience uh, at World Youth Day, after Vatican II. And, and what exactly were they, they there to hear? A lot of nice, nice things. I'm not saying it was all bad, but of course the same old, same old as well. This event was used by Pope Francis, by Team Francis, to once again push the globalist message. The Pope continued to link the vast ocean, Portugal borders, and the current issues facing the world today. The oceans are warming, and their depths are bringing to light the shamelessness with which we have polluted our common home. How can we claim to believe in young people if we do not give them a healthy space to build their future? But again, according to, and again, I, I stress I wasn't there. I wouldn't bother uh, uh, doing that, going to World Youth Day, because I don't think my blood pressure could handle it. But uh, those who were there said wonderful things were happening, including Bishop Barron, who says that young people were there because of Jesus. It's tougher being a young person now than it was when John Paul started these things a long time ago. It's tougher now, which means we need Christ more than ever. And I want them to come away with a sense of, of Jesus who loves them, who walks with them, and wants to be the Lord of their life in a liberating way. If that message comes through, we got some good for them. Well, Excellency, I, I certainly hope that's the case. I certainly hope that's true, that it was our Lord who brought these people, and that, and that was and that, that they're hungering for something, that I completely agree. But when they get there and they have what looks like distilled Protestantism combined with a very sort of uh, upbeat Christian rock band for three days, I, I don't know, I'm just not sure. Because it looks like a huge party went on for the most part. Most, and most of these young people also, let's not forget, it was a free trip to Europe. I'm just, you know, Cardinal Nighty Night, baby, Cardinal Tobin, he raised $40,000 to send young people from his diocese to Portugal. That happened from all over the world. So let's not be boomers about this, right? We know what's going on here. And of course, the young people were very grateful to Cardinal Tobin for having sent them to Lisbon for a free trip to Europe. Thank you so much, Cardinal Tobin, for this trip. It's been an amazing experience. Cardinal, we want to thank you on behalf of the Archdiocese and all the programs that have gone with us. We just had such an amazing time. Lives have been changed, and we're so, so grateful for your trust. And we look forward to the future to evangelizing this generation, which has really been changed. 
I mean, the, the, the reality is, friends, at the end of the day, we, everybody everybody wants to see something happening that's going to make a change. Is World Youth Day making that change? I don't, I don't know that it is. You still have the mass apostasy. You still have the church closings all over the place. You still have a huge shortage of priests. You still have 80% of Catholics, 80% of American Catholics, not going to obligatory Sunday Mass. You still have that going on. And then you go to World Youth Day, and guess what? Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when we live in our dreams. Everything is Great song. Really good song. <laughs> Honestly, friends, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to look for sensational negativity here. I just you know, if World Youth Day for you was awesome, well, that's great. I'm glad, you know, and I'm not here to run you down. It, and I know there are some really good things that happen at World Youth Day as, you know, certain groups get together and try to evangelize for a more dignified, traditional understanding of Catholicism, such as this Latin Mass, which went on, took took place at World Youth Day. Thank God. And I'm all, and I'm all for traditional young people trying to bring authentic Catholicism to the public square. That's great. But World Youth Day does not mean that the Catholic Church is healthy, because that's the message now. You get all these people to show up, they run the cameras, they give their globalist message, right? They put their pop tunes out there and their, their liturgical disaster. And then they say, oh, so you said the Catholic Church isn't healthy. Well, check this out. Look at all those kids, you know? You know, it isn't. It's not healthy. And World Youth Day changes nothing. The guy, the man who was in charge of World Youth Day was very specific. I'm talking about the Archbishop of Lisbon said, when we, this is before World Youth Day, we covered this, when we have the young people come for World Youth Day, we're not trying to convert anybody to Christ. Oh, heck no, he said. Got in a lot of trouble for that, but we know that's the truth. So yeah, I'm glad there were some solid young Catholics there who certainly are more Catholic than the Pope and who were trying to promote the traditional Latin Mass. It's fantastic. I say good for you guys and keep up the good work, you know? That's kind of the reason that we stay on YouTube because over there are people who don't agree with us at YouTube. Uh, and it's interesting to try to reach people. I understand that. And by the way, now, the Remnant Underground from last week was taken down by the hall monitors at YouTube, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Our channel now has another strike. There will be no uh, YouTube premiere this Sunday because, for obvious reasons, we can't post for a while. How long is it going to be before we're permanently removed from YouTube? I'm not sure. But here's the thing, friends, and I've said this, but we really got to get going on this. we got this election year coming up. Uh, this past week, then, that video was taken down. Tens of thousands of you had signed up for my e-letter, which means that you watched the program anyway at remnant-tv.com or at the Remnant newspaper where all of our stuff is posted. So it's really, really important that you click this link down here so that we can keep doing this, keep broadcasting this show, keep posting these videos without YouTube or with YouTube. It really doesn't matter anymore. You know, because as I say, there's another election on the horizon and you know what's gonna happen. It's just gonna get crazy. And what it means is that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as not to offend the imbeciles. And it's going to get shifted into high gear, uh, I think, this, this fall. Speaking of imbeciles now in the press, there's big trouble for the little ferret family. This morning, one of the most recognized couples on the world stage turning the page on their storybook relationship after 18 years of marriage. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and wife Sophie Gregoire Trudeau writing on Instagram, after many meaningful and difficult conversations, we have made the decision to separate. 
Another Catholic kid gone wrong, huh, Walt? Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. No huge surprise. It's interesting, though, how many young Glavinus ladies are having marital problems. I think they become so, yeah, so stuck in their head. They just, they're even their wives end up loathing them for their stupid ideas about global dominance or whatever it is. So there's really no surprise here with young, with a little ferret, other than he's married to a woman, which I find slightly surprising. Still, anyway. Now, thanks back to focus here. Uh, the thanks to the little ferret, this is all you are going to see if someone posts a remnant link on a Facebook page up in Canada. You see that? Can't do it. So what happened? Well, again, the little ferret just signed the Online News Act, which in the name of equity and inclusion is going to try to charge big tech for featuring news posts on Facebook and Instagram and whatever else. Uh, I think Google as well. And predictably, big tech told the little ferret to pound sand. So now, Canadians, you can no longer watch something like that or read stories like ours. You can only watch mainstream news and cat videos, thanks to Justin Trudeau, the young globalist leader. So welcome to the Canadian Ministry of Truth. You see how close it's coming? You think it's not coming down here? Of course it is. Of course it is. Which reminds me, our sponsor tonight is dum ba da bum ba da bum ba da bum ba da bum the Remnant Newspaper. Am I right, Walt? Yep. We got ourselves another sponsor. It's the Remnant Newspaper. This, friends, this is the oldest traditional Catholic newspaper in the world. This is the one that started it all. It comes out every two weeks. Can't be tracked. It doesn't need to be charged. Can't be tracked or traced by the Ministry of Truth. And there's even an e-edition now on a very private platform, which allows you to privately read the articles in here, share them, translate them into dozens of languages, and you can even listen to every article in, a, I guess we call it an audio version. So if you notice right up in the right corner here, you can actually turn every article into an audio article by just pushing this button right here and listening to the articles. Another great feature that the Remnant E-Edition offers. But wait, there's more. Uh, those who sign up right now for the next couple of months, if you sign up for the E-Edition, we're going to throw in for free now. 57 years of archives. So I know a lot of you are, are new to this whole traditional Catholic movement and everything else. Uh, 57 years have been coming out every two weeks or 57 years. It's, it's a veritable course in revolution, counter-revolution uh, since 1967. And as I say, the cool thing is Big Brother has nothing to do with this. Big Brother can't control this. So click the link and become a subscriber to one of the last, I guess you could say, one of the last surviving Catholic newsprint, actual newspapers in the world. That's the remnant. Now, <clears throat> why are they coming after Remnant TV again? over at YouTube. Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It's because we say it as we see it, which is the kiss of death in a regime powered by mis- and disinformation. So, for example, they scream, climate emergency! And we say, who cares? Right? Every single time, no matter what they say, the answer should be, who cares? Because it's all designed to freak people out. So a really powerful answer is who cares? And in this newspaper and on this show down here in the underground, who cares is the answer to a lot of it. They don't really know what to do with that. You know, so they, and, and their, their credibility is falling apart. They say that the world, for example, hasn't seen a summer this hot. We did this a couple of weeks ago. Hasn't seen a summer this hot in 120,000 years. And we say, who cares? 
July is set to be the hottest month on record in possibly 120,000 years. That's a long time. So evidently now, 120,000 years ago, somebody was checking the temperature. What are they using? Like rocks, coconuts? You know, seriously though, if it's true that it's been 120,000 years since, <laughs> since it was this hot, why are we still here? If the climate was torching the planet 120,000 years ago, why is it still here? And why are we still running around without our hair on fire, at least? How did they save the planet 120,000 years ago without Bill Gates? Without killing off all the cattle? Maybe they grounded the airplanes. That's oh, that's right, there were no airplanes. Maybe they banned the S, no, there were no SUVs, other than maybe Fred Flintstone's car where they ran underneath the thing, we can. Fred Flintstone has this car that he gets into and he picks it up and he runs to work with it. I always wonder why, why does he just run to work? You know, there's no reason to carry a car with you. Maybe, maybe that was it, I don't know. But you don't suppose they're lying to us about the man-made climate crisis, do you? What do you say, Greta, you little twit? How'd they save the world 120,000 years ago before you were around? <laughs> yeah, this kid, she's pretty funny, isn't it? So I guess, I mean, Greta, I get it. She's laughing at everything because she's got nothing to say. So she just starts laughing because this is a gigantic hoax. The whole Greta Thunberg thing is fake news. But I guess the takeaway is if the world survived the climate emergency 120,000 years ago, guess what? We're going to be just fine this time around, too. So put a sock in it, Bill. <laughs> Next slide, please. According to the New York Times, the United States is facing a new COVID wave. Yes, indeed. Hospitalizations. They are up 1,300 a day now. Well, in a country with 800,000 hospital beds, I'd say who cares again, right? But then again, that's just me. The experts say we got to get vaccinated. We got to get serious about vaccinating everybody, right? That's what the experts say. And the experts, as we all know by now, the experts are never wrong. Unvaccinated people. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. If you are the unvaccinated, you are the problem. You're the Condemn them, shame them, blame them. The only people that you can blame are the unvaccinated. Frankly, we can't trust the unvaccinated. They should not be part of polite society. The lunatics who won't take COVID vaccines. Walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. If you're willing to walk among us unvaccinated, you are an enemy. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You don't have the right to contaminate someone. You can't go around pointing a gun in somebody's face, which is what it is when people are unvaccinated. They are all idiots and Losers. This is a real movement in this country against the unvaccinated. Jennifer Aniston is cutting non-vaccinated people out of her life. The unrepentant, unvaccinated. They should be removed from the hospital. Those who refuse to be vaccinated should be denied health care. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy, rest in peace, Wheezy. You're... <laughs>
Some doctors are saying they'll refuse treatment for people who choose not to get the shot. Why are hospital and ICU resources going to them? Morons who will not get the shot. The unvaccinated clowns. Idiots who think that they can do their own research. Don't do any of your own research. Doing your own research is associated with conspiracy theory circles. This go-it-alone approach, doing your own research. That can have serious consequences. You should get prison time for even questioning the vaccines. The virus stops with every vaccinated person. Do it so you stop spreading terrible disease. And that vaccine, a key goal is to stop the transmission so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Expectation for vaccines is not to get infected. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. When the virus gets to you, you stop it. You're not going to catch it. You're not going to get sick. You're not going to transmit it. The vaccine is absolutely bulletproof. Vaccines block you from getting and giving the virus. 100% effective at preventing COVID. The vaccine prevents you from getting infected. It is to keep you from getting it and then spreading it. We have the ability to stop COVID in its tracks. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Biden tests positive for COVID-19. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci tests positive for COVID-19. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. The CDC director tests positive for COVID-19. Pfizer CEO tests positive for COVID. Pfizer CEO tests positive for COVID again. CDC director tests positive for COVID again. Fauci tests positive for COVID again. Joe Biden tests positive for COVID again. Cases up 258%. The majority of these cases are among the vaccinated. And this area is the most vaccinated part of Massachusetts. So many fully vaccinated people are testing positive. So people here are a bit angry. We are all really concerned about what this means long term. I was vaccinated and I got COVID. And then <laughs> Almost everyone we know with vaccinations uh, had uh, at least one bout of it. Uh, our vaccines work better uh, than we could have possibly uh, hoped they would work. Uh... A majority of Americans dying from coronavirus are vaccinated. COVID-19 isn't a pandemic of the unvaccinated anymore. We didn't really understand the fatality rate. You know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly, kind of like flu is. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun to watch that stuff, isn't it? It's so much fun. I don't know. People don't remember, I guess. They're just moving on to the next the next scare thing that they got going for us. And people go, I hope they're going to fall for it, but maybe not. I hope not. By the way, we got that clip. We got that clip off YouTube. That clip has been on YouTube for months, in fact. No problem from the hall monitors at YouTube. Our show from last week, on the other hand, was up on YouTube for 10 hours when they got they ripped it down. And they told me that they took it down for violating YouTube's medical misinformation policy. <laughs> but yet that clip that we just played is fine, which questions everything and which mocks them all. Which, I guess, brings the question up, why, why is YouTube harassing us again? Why are we being selected for such special treatment? I think, well, no, I know this, because there was nothing else in last week's program that hadn't already been on the web. The thing that we did about, about uh, uh, the Catacombs Pack, that's, that's still up on the, on the internet, so it wasn't that. But there is one thing that was different from last week's program, and that's Timothy Cardinal Dolan of New York.
he was on the show, or at least we quoted heavily from him. In fact, the entire first half of our show was a series of Cardinal Dolan quotes from his article, Did We Go Too Far With COVID-19 Restrictions? Now, I know some of you <laughs> said to me last week after that show, those of you who saw it, who watched it on Remnant TV, not YouTube, because it was taken down, you said to me about Dolan, don't fall for it. He's the enemy. He's not one of us. <laughs> well, of course. I don't care about that. That's that's not the point. And and I do I do wonder how 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 much how many times we have to explain this. When I quote Bill Maher saying that the COVID thing was a big lie, a big crock of nonsense, and only stupid people fall for it, the restrictions, which is what he said. You don't think that I think that Bill Maher is a model for our children or that maybe one of your daughters could marry him, do you? He's not on our side. I get it. He's an atheist. You know that, right? But I quote him because he's on the other side. Joe Rogan, same thing, right? We quote Joe Rogan because he's got a massive audience and he keeps saying these darn things that are just really problematic for our globalist friends. So you bet, I quote Joe Rogan. But I'm not mistaking Joe Rogan for a daily communicant. Elon Musk, same thing. We have, to, we have to, I think, close out tonight with a little strategy, friends. I, I want us to all be on the same page. We have such an important and dangerous time coming up with this, new, this, this next election. It's going to be crazy town. You all know that. We have to come up with strategies. And some of the strategies can't be spoken about. You know, I remember when this, this has been going back a long time, when Benedict XVI, when Ratzinger became Benedict XVI, we all knew what, what Ratzinger was, right? We all saw the pictures of him and Karl Rahner in the, in the neckties of Vatican II. We got that. But the New York Times called him God's, God's Rottweiler. The New York Times said Benedict is a traditional Catholic. He's going to change the world. There was no reason in the world to disabuse them of that, right? Let's just go as long as we can with Ratzinger now bringing back the Latin Mass and doing things that were that were good for the cause, obviously, that changed history, obviously. It was the same with Donald Trump. We spent so much time. I get it. Donald Trump's not one of us. Donald Trump's not a daily communicant. He disagrees with us on just about everything theologically important, right? But we're in the middle of a war. We got to find ways and means of undermining the other side. And sometimes you got to use people who are in powerful positions to undermine the other side. It's basic stuff. You have to do it. So yeah, of course, I used Cardinal Dolan's own words against the globalist elites last week. And I will do it again because it's good strategy. And guess what? YouTube freaked out over it. You know why? Because it's good strategy. YouTube agrees with me, and they screamed at me that what Cardinal Dolan said in our video, according to my quotations, contradicts expert consensus from local health authorities or the World Health Organization, says YouTube. And so they pulled the video down. They gave our channel a strike. They're threatening us again. And then I look to my friends and they say, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. That's stolen. Don't fall for it. Friends like, don't fall for what? The truth? What Dolan said was the truth. I'll refresh your, your memory in case you don't remember. Dolan, last week, let's paraphrase a little bit, quote a little bit here. Dolan says, I find myself under taking an examination of conscience. Well, that's a good sign, eminence, sorry. Uh, I find myself undertaking an examination. Did we as a church go too far 
in obeying restrictions resulting in a lack of pastoral care for the sick. <laughs> Very nice try, buddy, but we're not going to fall for it. No, sir, you're Cardinal Dolan. But friends, what he's saying here is true. Dolan goes on. Were we equally obedient to the biblical commands to comfort the dying, bury the dead, and bring the sacraments to those sick from the virus? Put a cork in it, pal! I realize you're Cardinal Dolan. You know, this is exactly what you would say, huh? Coming from your mouth, I don't care. I know it's exactly what we've been saying for three years, but not from you, buddy. Not going to fall for it. Friends, the Cardinal is right here. Understand he's right. I don't know why he's why he said this, but he's correct. He's absolutely right. Finally, he's admitting the truth. You think over at the World Health Organization, they're like, oh goody. <laughs> no. So shouldn't we, in a case like this, just let the cardinal speak? Whatever we think of the cardinal, we can discuss that later behind closed doors with a beer and a cigar or something, right? For the moment, you got Cardinal Dolan saying what we were saying. And that's all that matters. He continues, did we do enough? Did we insist that our churches needed to, be, needed to remain open for mass and the sacraments instead of locking the doors? No, you didn't do enough, Eminence, but thank you for finally acknowledging that. Because now maybe next time... You'll think before you jump into lockstep with Francis, Team Francis, and the globalists when they tell you what to do. And they cut people off from the sacraments. Yes, Dolan, Cardinal Dolan, your, your, your eminence, that's on your watch. And I pray that this means that you're repenting for having done that. You'll never do it again. You'll do whatever you can to make amends. But to this audience, I would say, thank God that this has happened. I actually understand fully why YouTube why they took this down. I get it. Because it's the same reason that we put it up in the first place, Cardinal Dolan. Because it's a big deal. It's a big deal when the Cardinal Archbishop of New York tells the world that his conscience is bothering him for having complied with the World Health Organization lockdowns, friends. This is a big deal. Don't trust Dolan. There's nothing to trust. He said it. It's a matter of the public record now. He volunteered to say the truth. I don't care why he said it. He said it. He said what we've been down here shouting, <laughs> shouting from the housetops for years. He just said it. And as I said last time, we don't think, I don't think this is over. We're in the middle of the lockdown period of this revolution. They're already talking about climate lockdowns. The New York Times right now is talking about lockdowns again for COVID in the fall. So if you have powerful bishops, no matter where they come down politically in the church, if you have them saying, oh my gosh, that was wrong right now, that's something we got to jump on, exploit it, publish it, broadcast it, right? The bishops are realizing they can't go along with it next time. Maybe, let's hope. But they certainly are saying they shouldn't have gone, around, gone along with it last time. And here's the thing, friends, I got in trouble for saying he leads uh, the conservative bishops. Well, that's just the reality. He does. The con more conservative-leaning bishops, now again, by, by, to, by modern standards, Martin Luther was a conservative, but compared to Bergoglio, compared to Supich. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that there are bishops, and many bishops in this country follow the lead of Dolan. So if they follow the lead of Dolan on this, then the lockdowns may run into a wall. 
I'm from Minnesota. My bishop disagrees with me on just about everything. But when he and his fellow bishops here in Minnesota, when they defied the governor of Minnesota and said, no, 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 we're opening up the churches during COVID, and they opened them up, I praised him to the hilt for doing the right thing. And guess what? The churches opened up and the governor backed down. Don't fall for it. <laughs> lots of people are seeing lots of things now, friends. We've talked about this. We've all been through a horrific, dystopian, bizarre few years. And a lot of people, are, I think, are, I mean, no, no, it's not a question that I think. I know you can see it. A lot of people are saying, man, what's going on here? So I'm more than willing to give the benefit of the doubt to just about anybody, including Cardinal Dolan, that he looked at the whole thing and said, yeah, man, it's true. People died without the sacraments. I should have done more. He may be being sincere. It seems to me it's my Christian duty in this case to say, hey, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's what he said, right? Especially when it's so beneficial to our cause. Yeah, so I noted that Dolan, Dolan is a conservative. He's a pro-life guy. He's an Irish-American bishop, right? That's because, again, compared to Francis, Francis, that's exactly what he is. Dolan leads what the Vatican considers a conservative block of U.S. bishops, whether you know that or not. I know that to be a fact. People say, oh, it's Bishop Strickland. I love Bishop Strickland. Bishop Strickland, however, is not a conservative. Bishop Strickland is a traditionalist, thank God, right? Conservative is in quotes. Conservative became neo-Catholic in the 90s, right? The people that conserved absolutely nothing, went along with everything, status quo, right? Conservative is not necessarily a compliment, first of all. But yeah, Bishop, Bishop Strickland is a traditionalist. And Tyler, Texas is not New York City. <laughs> it just isn't. And His Excellency would agree with me on that. So it just happens to be a fact that the more conservative bishops look to a guy like Dolan, and when Dolan hesitates to implement Traditionis Custodis by not shutting all the Latin masses down in New York City, which is what he's done, friends, as an, just as an example, Bishops follow his lead. A certain number of bishops follow his lead. This is simply the fact. And, the, and, and conversely, when Cardinal Wilton Gregory in D.C., when he cracks down on the Latin Mass ruthlessly, like he did immediately, like he did, guys like Cardinal Supich practically wet themselves trying to follow suit as fast as they possibly can to stay in Gregory's good graces so I can maybe get somewhere in the Vatican someday. You see? Cardinal Gregory is the leader of the so-called progressives. So yeah, Dolan, it's just a, it's a fact. We're not, again, I said again and again last week, we're not saying he's Archbishop Marcelo Febvre, the farthest thing from it, right? But he does go too far in a, in a more conservative direction for Team Francis and his radical socialist friends. For example. Hey, everybody. Happy Columbus Day. Cardinal Timothy Dolan here. I'm just on my way over to our beloved St. Patrick's Cathedral, America's Parish Church for Columbus Day Mass. Isn't it great that so many of our parades for which uh, New York is acclaimed, like what well, we all know about St. Patrick's uh, Parade, but also today, Columbus Day, are those proud uh, children of Italian immigrants who savor the memory of Christopher Columbus will gather for Mass. Because you get the point here. You bet we celebrate Christopher Columbus for his daring, brave discoveries. Hallelujah. But we also celebrate the fact that he's an Italian and he's a man of deep faith who loved Jesus, the mother of Jesus, the bride of Jesus, uh, the church, and who really felt that his goal was not to discover earthly riches, but to bring spiritual riches to the new world. <laughs> they tore the Columbus statue down here in St. Paul a couple years ago, a year and a half ago. In the era of Pachamama, 
that sort of talk from a radical American bishop, this is what Francis hates. This is what he considers conservative. You don't say that in Francis' church. And what we see here, friends, bottom line, I'll let you go. But what, we, what we're talking about here are different strategic approaches to how we do this. We can't always just hunker down in our little ghetto and just, you know, just, just not, not, not pay any attention to what anybody else is doing and, and be convinced that we're so perfect. And there are different ways of doing this. There are people who are doing great work right now. And we need to look and say, what, what can we do? How can we contribute to a seriously effective Catholic counter-revolution? And what we, we have a chance, what's happening right now, what I mentioned last, in the last program, we have a chance here to, look, to, to, to explore the possibilities of exercising sort of a divide and conquer strategy as much as we can, to the extent that we can, right? So that doesn't mean we're defending a guy like Cardinal Dolan on all accounts. I haven't forgotten his meet the press, Michael Sam fiasco scandal, the first NFL player uh, to come out as gay. And Dolan's like, bravo, I would say bravo. <laughs> I haven't forgotten that. I haven't forgot the Met Gala scandal in New York City, the LGBT scandals he's been involved with. But what I'm saying is that what Dolan said about the bishop's failures to obey God's law during COVID is true, is accurate, and it's useful to our cause, extremely useful to our cause. Don't believe me? Then why did YouTube pull it down? Think about that. Why? Because it's a big deal. And when a big deal like that comes along, you can count on Remnant TV to jump on it and do the best of the mo make, make the most mileage possible out of that. Yeah, I'm going to use the words of Cardinal Dolan himself if they somehow help us to undermine this <laughs> godless, globalist, radical agenda yeah, that's going on right now. An agenda that wants to crush our kids, destroy our country, and crucify Christ all over again. I'm going to use whatever I can to fight back. And that, friends, is what this show is all about. I realize the vast majority of you get this, but I thought it was important to come out and talk strategy here a little bit because what's coming is going to be a little bit iffy, I'm afraid, and we need to stick together. You know, The show is all about that. And we're living now in an occupied country. We're living now in an occupied church. <laughs> and it's our duty to keep the faith and to resist and to never stop kicking against the regime. Just as Cal, I said last time, we gotta stop pitying ourselves. It was so, this is so terrible. No one's ever been asked to go through something like, yes, they have, yes, they have. There've been really terrible regimes before. Maybe not this global, but that doesn't matter. If you're in the middle of Berlin in 1940, it doesn't matter <laughs> that there's some place in the world is fine and it's all apple, cake, apple pie and baseball. It doesn't matter. You're living through it now, in the here and now. And Catholics who lived through times like this in the past in individual countries, in Russia, in the Soviet Union, in Germany, they never stopped kicking back. Here's an example of someone who never stopped kicking back, for example, against the Nazi regime. Sister Restituta was very outspoken in opposition to the Nazi regime. When a new wing to the hospital was built, she hung a crucifix in each of the new rooms. The Nazis demanded that they be removed, and Sister Restituta was told she would be dismissed if she did not comply. One of the doctors on staff, a fanatical Nazi, would have none of it. He denounced her to the party and on Ash Wednesday, 1942, she was arrested by the Gestapo as she came out of the operating room. The charges against her included hanging crucifixes and writing a poem that mocked Hitler. The Nazis promptly sentenced her to death by the guillotine 
for favoring the enemy and conspiracy to commit high treason. They offered her freedom if she would abandon the Franciscans she loved so much, but she adamantly refused. She wrote from prison, It does not matter how far we are separated from everything, no matter what is taken from us, the faith that we carry in our hearts is something no one can take from us. In this way, we build an altar in our own hearts. Sister Maria Restituta spent her final days in prison caring for the sick. Because of her love for the crucifix, or rather, the one who died upon it, she was beheaded on March the 30th, 1943. As she approached the guillotine, wearing a paper shirt and weighing just half her previous weight, her last words were, I have lived for Christ. I want to die for Christ. She died on Tuesday of Holy Week. She was just 48 years old. Bottom line, friends, they can, they can lock us down. They can ban our videos. They can persecute us. They can try to silence us. They can cancel our mass. But they can never, ever make us stop using our brains, right? Using our brains and our wits to outwit them, to undermine them, and to ultimately defeat them. That's the job. And with God's help, that's exactly what we're going to do. Or we fail and they throw us in prison and we keep the faith anyway. Either way, guess what? We win and they lose.